Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find yours in online or in a store near you at zen.com/find. Warning: This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. State Farm is committed to being your top choice when ensuring the things that matter to you. My Cultura podcast host, Dramos, also believes in the power of financial knowledge. That's why he makes sure to share his financial tips on his podcast, Life as a Gringo. When I was wanting to purchase my first home, I wanted to buy a, a property that also made me money, you know. So with the property that I purchased, I actually have a tenant. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at es.statefarm.com. State Farm is a proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Today is the day. That is the quote we have heard over and over and over from Abby and Liberty also known as Libby's family. The Delphi murders, forever ingrained in our memories, but today a major turn in the case. Literally in the last hour, murder charges have been announced. Take a listen to Superintendent Doug Carter of the Indiana State Police. Some do I have prepared remarks, but today is different because I do not want there to be any confusion or ambiguity with what I will say. Today is not a day to celebrate, but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is sure a major step in leading to the conclusion of this long-term and complex investigation. You heard it from the horse's mouth. A long-term and complex investigation has culminated in the arrest of Richard M. Allen, a.k.a. Rick Allen, a.k.a. Ricky Allen, the overnight manager, some people say pharmacy tech, at the local CVS. How many times did Abby and Liberty go into that CVS while he was there? Reports he even created, duplicated, the photos of Abby and Libby for their funeral at no cost. Hiding under in plain sight is one way to put it. But believe me, the police, the sheriffs, the state police had to exhaust every lead, and that takes time. As of right now, the probable cause warrant leading to the arrest of Allen, Ricky Allen, is being kept under seal. And I find it very interesting 
that law enforcement insists this investigation is not over and the tip line remains open. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111 with me, an all-star panel. But I want you to hear another thing. This is from Superintendent Doug Carter of the Indiana State Police. Our Cut 54, listen. First, I'd like to speak directly to Anna Mike, Becky Kelsey, your extended families, along with the entire Delphi community that certainly has grown and now includes our nation and even many countries around the world. I am proud to report to you that today, actually last Friday, was the day. And an arrest has been made. Straight out to Cheryl McCollum, joining us, forensics expert who has investigated along with us the Delphi murders and is joining us from Delphi. She is the founder of the Cold Case Research Institute, coldcasecrimes.org. Cheryl, tell me everything that happened from the moment you sat down to this moment right now, the moment you sat down in the presser. Nancy, it was somber. Um, it was packed. It was standing room only. Um, there were folks there just from all over the you know, United States. And the minute that Superintendent Doug Carter took the podium, I think that there was just a unified feeling of we understand there's been an arrest, which is a major, major change in this case. But we all know that today really the investigation in some ways begins. So it doesn't end in arrest. Today, honey, they are hot and they are fixing to go to work. You know, um, okay, this says it best. I'll let Doug Carter with the Indiana State Police say it himself instead of me. Take a listen to our Cup 55. We are going to continue a very methodical and committed approach to ensure that if any other person had any involvement in these murders in any way, that person or persons will be held accountable. Since the murders of Abby and Libby 2,086 days ago, the daily investigative team has worked tirelessly. Straight out to Justice Scott Morgan, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon and star of a hit series, Body Bags, with Joe Scott Morgan. Joe Scott, I also heard him state that so many, and I quote, divisions of the crime lab were involved. That tells me blood, blood spatter, DNA, touch DNA, hair, fiber, staging, the uh, possible evidence from the bodies. But did you also hear that he said the investigation is not over yet? If there's any person or persons out there the tip line is still open. What do you make of that, Joe Scott? Yeah, our minds are one this morning. That was my biggest takeaway today, Nancy. When I heard him say that from the podium, uh, for me, I began to think, you know, about this other guy that they've had incarcerated for some time. I'm thinking about this fellow's family. Not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking what that last thing you said, his family. Cheryl McCollum, you hear Joe Scott Morgan. You're there on yep. the scene. Agree, disagree, because it's come to my attention that the police executed a search warrant on Richard Allen's home. Mm-hmm. Then they're back digging around a fire pit where Allen yep. had been burning something in the backyard. Let me tell you, it's never good when you look out your window and the cops are digging up your yard or going through your trash. Well, I'm just going to jump right in it. As a wife, she is never going to be able to convince me she didn't recognize that gate, that walk, those clothes, and that voice. Oh, oh, I got something, Cheryl McCollum. Jonathan Lee Riches investigates, and he has obtained, whether it's off Facebook, uh, whether it's off YouTube, and posted this guy, purportedly this guy, Richard Allen, walking in a pair of jeans. Okay? Strikingly similar 
to the man on the bridge jeans. All right. Anyway, I know it's going to be impossible to say it's the same kind of jeans, but I want you to look not at his jeans, but at his build and his gait. G-A-I-T. Kind of an ambling he's doing. To Cheryl McCollum, I'm sure you also have seen that video. Yes, no. I have not. But Nancy, let me tell you the biggest takeaway for me for today. When you listen to that press conference and over and over and over, they put the tip line back up. They tell you it's not over. They tell you if any other person has had anything at all to do with it. We now have a face. We now have a name. So I believe they are going to keep everything up, like the tip line and everything, because they're going to try to connect additional dots. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around. A lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Okay, can we talk about the face just for a moment? And <laughs> I go to you on this one, to Dr. Bethany Marshall. Everybody, again, jump in. We've only got an hour to cover up, which is the, bi- the, the biggest development in the Delphi murders that we've had so far. Dr. Bethany Marshall joining me, psychoanalyst in Beverly Hills at drbethanymarshall.com. Speaking of a picture, mm. there is a picture floating around on the Internet, and it is, I think, taken of Alan and his wife at J.C.'s Bar and Grill in 2021. Now, <laughs> the, I mean, right behind him is a composite sketch 
That's right. To my recollection, it's the second composite sketch. And, I mean, it's almost straight out of a movie scene where the person turns and looks at him, and then right behind him is the composite sketch that looks like him. But I'm talking about what Cheryl just said about the family. Did they not suspect anything? Well, Nancy, let me go back a second. Abby and Libby, the day that they were hiking, the day they went missing, they were on Snapchat and they took a picture of this man. Your your viewers and listeners know this by now. So there was a picture from the very beginning. This Alan is taking a picture of himself, a selfie with his wife, with the composite sketch behind them. This reminds me of so many criminals who commit domestic homicide. Maybe they kill a, a wife or a partner and then they join the search or they pass out flyers or they get involved in the effort to find that person when in fact they are the perpetrators. So what they're doing is they're injecting themselves back into the crime and reliving it again and again. I also think he's triumphant. Quite a bit of time has passed. He's not been named as a suspect at the time he takes this picture. And this guy thinks he's going to walk scot-free. But you know, Nancy, he is not because you talked about connecting the dots. If this guy is the perp, if he killed Abby and Libby, and he has an online pet presence as a pedophile, he is going to have little tentacles spreading outward all over the internet to other people where he will have passed photos, memorabilia, um, reminiscing about the crime. So, of course, the tip line, you know, I think, of course, it should stay active because I think more and more people are going to be implicated in this crime. Take a listen to our cut 60. This is Nicholas McClellan, the county prosecutor. This investigation is still very ongoing. We're keeping the tip line open, the tip email open. We encourage everybody to continue to call in tips, not only about Richard Allen, but about any other person that you may have. For that reason and for the nature of this case, the probable cause and the charging information has been sealed by the court. I've been very clear to everybody that per the court order, we cannot talk about the evidence that's in the probable cause or the evidence that's in the charging information. That will become evident to you at some point and it will be released. But right now is not that day to Joe Scott Morgan. What were you saying? Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about talking about the burn pit and going back to what Bethany had said, this is one of the things I think they're going to zero in on Nancy. If, if there are any trophies that have been taken from this particular exactly. site. Exactly. We know two items were taken from the scene. Right. And also going back to remembrances, uh, there have been certain terms that have been thrown out over the months, the years, and that is posing. And if there is posing going on in a case like this. Boy, be specific for people that don't know what staging means. That means that staging or posing, posing is a little bit different because posing goes to a fantasy level. Dr. Bethany can address that, but... If there is posing going on, that means that there might be a photographic record of it because this is something that these guys over all the serial cases I've worked that get into this. They love to reminisce about these things and you they, they will generally have a hiding spot that they'll keep these things. BTK was famous for this. And so I'm not saying this guy's a serial perpetrator at this point, but these are very bold things that have begun to kind of seep out that it would give you an indication of potential practice here. You know, Nancy, this is Wendy. One thing about the uh, emboldenedness uh, that we seem to have seen here is, remember we talked about who would have recognized the gate. We said, sure, family members would have. This is a small town. I would have thought anybody would have recognized the gate, the voice. You know, if he works in this town, if he has friends in this town, he has neighbors, people know each other. This was a big case why wouldn't anyone else have recognized him on that video? And that's one of the other reasons he may have become emboldened over time that maybe he figured, well, maybe they did recognize me, but have chosen to protect me or stay silent. And why didn't anybody recognize the clothing? You know, in these small towns, it's not like there's a huge shopping mall. Probably everybody buys their clothing from similar places. They don't buy a lot of new clothing. They recognize each other's clothing. It's worn again and again. And speaking of the clothing, guys, you were just hearing Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor and author of Red Flag. She's the host of Today with Dr. Wendy KCBQ San Diego, um, as well as Dr. Bethany Marshall. Alexis Tereschuk, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. I'm coming right to you. But speaking of the clothing, this was on Richard Allen's wife's Facebook post and it shows her 
kind of sneaking up on him, you know, when you try to surprise somebody and you're videoing them. He's sitting in the car reading something. I think he's reading a tablet, isn't he, Jackie? Like an an iPad, maybe. She sneaks up on him. He jumps and closes the tablet. I didn't get a look at what he was reading, but he's wearing a blue jacket, identical, from what we can tell, to the one the MOB man on the bridge was wearing, Cheryl McCollum. Yep, absolutely. But Nancy, I got to jump back to this fire pit a minute because I think this is crucial. It's been five and a half years since this murder. Murder. And the fact that he would be burning something now tells me he knew they were close and he knew the police were coming. Well, Cheryl, what about the timeline? It's been projected that the police came and did a search. Then he went out into the fire pit and then police were digging around the fire pit. I don't know if that's the correct order, but that certainly changes things, does it not? It does. But it also means he kept things pertinent to what Joe Scott was talking about, these souvenirs potentially. It also means he knew they were coming back. He knew he had to get rid of that stuff. So whatever it was, he kept it five and a half years. But again, the most important thing to me, he knew they were coming back. That is not an innocent man action. For those of you just joining us, a major break in the Delphi murders of Libby and Abby. Joining me, CrimeOnline.com's Alexis Terezchuk. Alexis, recap. Libby and Abby, 13 and 14 years old, in 2017, February 13th, day before Valentine's Day. They don't have school. They're in the afternoon. Their sister drops them off just to hang out on the bridge. Teenage girls, they're not doing anything. They're taking silly Snapchat videos of each other. Here I am on the bridge. Exactly what teenagers do. Then the family can't find them. They're supposed to be picked up at the bridge around 4 o'clock. Still daylight. This is the dead of winter. No one can find them. They keep calling the girls. Their phones ring and ring and ring. And then it goes straight to voicemail. They have no word from them. The family is searching. They finally call the sheriff that night. The sheriff thinks, well, maybe they're going to show up. The next day, their bodies are found. And along with their bodies are a cell phone. And this cell phone has been the most valuable piece of evidence in this entire investigation. On this cell phone, on Libby's cell phone, she took a video of a man approaching them. It is a 43-second video. We have only seen about three seconds of this video. There is a lot more evidence that the police have that they have never shown us. And in this video, the man says, go down the hill. And you can see that he's leaning to his left. He's coming towards them. And they obviously thought that something was very suspect. You don't record just random people walking towards you on the street normally. But this was so scary to them that they made sure they captured it on video. You know, Cheryl McCollum, you've got a theory on that, that he had actually passed him and was coming back. Explain. Yes, my theory is they came from, let's just say, the north end of the bridge. I believe he met them coming from the south side. I think he passed them. And I think if you look closely at the photograph that everybody has come to know as the you know bridge guy, it looks to me like he's coming back into the center of the bridge which would be indicative of him turning around. I think they had some type of interaction, whether he said something or did something. It alerted everything in Liberty German that this is not right. And Nancy, for every woman and young person listening to your show right now, every girl has had somebody make them feel weird. Some guy brushed up against them, said something you know inappropriate, maybe even touched them in some way, but they didn't video him. For Libby German, from a distance, to know that she needed to get this person on videotape tells me there was some overt action from him. And I think when he turned around and met them, that's when he had control to push them in the direction that he wanted them to go, down the hill, up a half a mile to where he already had a place staked out. That's what I believe. Um, Hold on, Cheryl McCollum. I just want to show everybody what she's talking about. I'm holding up, and everybody on the panel knows exactly what I'm holding up. Man on the bridge, bridge guy, a.k.a. is it Richard Allen. When Cheryl's saying he's turning around, that's why she's saying it. Do you see how he's tilted off to the left like he's going one way, turns around, he's, that's, he's in the middle of the turn coming back toward the girls? And then later on in that same I wish I could show it to you better. Here, here we go. Then he straightens up. 
right beside it. You see what Cheryl is talking about, which when he passed him the first time, Cheryl, I think what you're saying is that something he said or did gave them the creeps. They get out their phone when he turns around and starts coming back toward them. It makes perfect sense. What were you saying, Joe Scott? Yeah. Interestingly enough, Mac and I had a discussion. I guess it was probably two weeks ago now, Mac, uh, where, you know, I, you know, I've always held that whoever did this had knowledge of the school schedule. Okay. They would have like an intimate knowledge of when the kids were going to be out, that sort of thing for timing. And to Mac's point about a pre-prepared area down there, I think that that's significant. When you look at that bridge and you see the height of this thing, it's almost like what they would refer to in the military as a choke point. That means you can funnel people into an area and there's nowhere for them to go at that point in time. It indicates familiarity. It also indicates potentially uh, preparation, I think, to a great degree that you have no doubt. actually picked out an area. You you have you have dates and times in mind, okay? And then you have a specific area. You have a choke point where you can kind of corral whoever the victim or victims are going to be, and then you get them go down the hill at that point. In addition to the familiarity issue, you know, Nancy, it strikes me that we talk about everybody recognizing the gay. You know, these girls probably knew him too, and perhaps it wasn't the first time they thought something was odd about him, which would explain why they'd be videotape and audio tape is this maybe wasn't a stranger to them either in such a small town. I was thinking that as well. This guy had a relationship with them possibly for a long, long time. He was working in the local CVS, processing their pictures. When we think of serial killers, predators, and victim selection, somehow they fit some profile of of two victims that he was already contemplating. The fact that he posed them after their death meant that the relationship with them continued after they died, um, and then keeping the trophies and potentially burning them in in the burn pit, he, he you know these predators, their their rape fantasies, their sadism fantasies, their relationships with their victims live on and on. They have prolific fantasy lives. Well, we're learning a lot, Bethany, uh, and from just simple research, we've learned, we believe we've learned anyway, that this guy, Rick Allen worked at CVS as a pharmacy tech and reports an overnight manager. What does that tell me? That he's free during the day. During the day when Liberty, Libby, and Abigail, Abby, were there on the Maman Heights Bridge. So he would have been off that day. And I guarantee you right now, if they haven't already done it, Anybody on the panel, jump in. They are getting his work records. Was he off that day? Was he working at the time? Uh, his cell phone records? Nancy, it's Alexis. I also want to tell you, in 2019, they, the Delphi Police Department, they sent the DNA that they had to, not only to the FBI, but to all of the uh, Ancestry.com, all the, the family tree tracking places, because they, they had enough evidence. They had enough DNA that they wanted to see if they could track it that way, to track him through his family as well. So they have been putting the feelers out to send this evidence everywhere to see if some way it could connect with somebody. Yeah, you're right, Alexis. And that was in 2019. So that tells us that there was DNA taken from the scene. How could there not be? Based on what we learned a while back, uh, there were copious amounts of blood. There are suggestions, I'm sure you've heard them there on the ground, Cheryl McCollum, that the girls' throats were slashed. We don't know that yet, but we do know there was a lot of blood, which means he had to get some blood on himself. I mean, we saw what the killer was wearing. Sure. And I think there's also, it It would appear, I think, to most criminologists that this, this was probably sexually generated. So there was probably seminal fluid. There might have been sweat. There might have been a fingerprint. There might have been other things that they were using. But again, if you get the ancestral piece of it, I mean, that can take a while to connect those dots as well. I mean, you have to go back generations and generations. I'm not talking Correct. about your grandmother or your grandfather. I'm talking about great, 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 great. And then it might be uh, DNA pops up belonging to a third cousin that lives in New York City. And then you got to trace and trace and trace until you get back to someone that may have been in, Del in Delphi. I believe everybody on this panel said at the get go, 
that we did not think this was a transient, although we did explore it. Just who would know to go to Momon Heights, Trestle Bridge, and you'd have to know where you were going to get to that. I'm very interested in that 43-second sound and video, audio and video on the girl's cell phone. We've only heard a few brief seconds of it down the hill, and it was looped down the hill, down the hill. There are reports the rest has not been played, just Scott Morgan, because it is too disturbing. Yeah, and I, I would imagine, I, I don't know that I, I want to hear it. it. It could be one of the most horrific things that we've covered. And that's just from, look, we, we've been at this for a long time now. Uh, relative to this case. And there's been a lot of stuff, obviously, that's floated by our way, you know, crime online and with you, Nancy, and people want to tell us things. And I, for me, when I have heard this and I've heard other people say this, what's on the rest of the tape? I think that at the end of the day, when we finally do know, it's going to be something we probably wish that we could unhear at that point in time. Keep this in your mind while you're talking, the facial beard. Remember that long goatee he sports sometimes? Well, he's sporting in his mugshot, for one. Remember the bridge guy, the man on the bridge, how he has his chin chucked down like that so you can't see his chin? It's all tucked under. See that, Jackie? I do. Okay, this is food for thought. Jump in, Wendy. Yeah, you know, we may not want to hear the tape, but the reason we have to is this teaches us what in the world to look for. You know, you talk about red flags, the title of my last book, the things that people say, the things they think, the types of, of pickup lines they think are going to entice different age groups. I mean, we may think these things are just crazy and, and hard to listen to, but knowledge is power. So that would be one reason I would want to hear the end of the tape, just to figure out how in the world did a man like this gain compliance in that scenario. I'll tell you, I've got another question. How did he manage to put $140,000 cash down on a house? I want to know that, too. Yeah. I mean, he's an overnight manager at the CVS, which, interesting, Cheryl McCollum, the CVS is kind of like, uh, as you described it once, at the center of the wagon wheel and everything going out. you probably got a CVS, a Burger King, a McDonald's, a Walmart. Uh, I'm, I'm judging based on my hometown. What's there? And CVS is right in the middle of it, right? Right in the middle. So how did he get 140 grand to put down on a house in cash? And and that's the question. I mean, I think there's going to be so many things that come from, you know, what they're investigating now, and some of the dots they're going to connect. I think are going to blow people's minds. But Nancy, I want to piggyback on something Wendy Patrick was just saying. I think early in my career, when I was in my 20s. I believe that when somebody got to the point they were going to murder somebody, it was in a frenzy, like they were just out of control. Well, then I learned, you know, through experience, that's not the case. If you listen to that voice, he's calm. He's not angry. He's not out of his mind. He's not in some type of murdering, you know, chaotic state. He simply says, guys, down the hill. So I think to Wendy's point, we can all learn things from hearing the totality of what happened there. And it's going to be horrific. There's no question about that. Well, I got to tell you something, Alexis Terrestrek, joining me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. When I first heard the name Richard Allen connected with CVS, I got in touch with CVS there in Delphi. And I swear, Alexis, the woman that picked up the line when I told her who I was, when I asked if Richard Allen worked there, I thought she was going to break down and start crying. There's this long pause and her voice cracked and she said, I can't comment. I, I can't give a comment. Well, after that, she didn't need to. But this is a shock, I'm sure, to people that he worked with that were side by side with him every day. And if anybody did anything to cover this up, they're looking at jail time, Alexis Therese Chuck. Well, that's the thing. And that's why the police have said this investigation is not over and also people could have seen him they could have helped how did they how did he dispose of his clothes how do you come home from a murder scene that the state superintendent has said is the worst one that he has ever seen in his decades of his career and police officers have seen a lot and he says this one is by far the worst so he has a daughter he has a wife how are people in town that the people sitting next to him at that restaurant? Was the picture right? Did nobody see the pictures right behind him? Um, 
oils and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around, a lot, to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom? This is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Cheryl McCollum, uh, you want to tell them about the photo of Alan's daughter on the same trestle bridge? It looked like her senior high school picture was taken on the trestle bridge where Libby and Abby were taken. It looks just like a senior picture, and she's literally sitting on the bridge. And the first thing that struck me is how much she favors Liberty German. She does. They could look like family members. And, you know, again, the bridge we can prove was not unfamiliar to him. There's a connection to that bridge. He'd been living there for many, many years, at least 16 years. He's been married, I believe I found 25 years. And I don't know if any of you guys have looked up the wife's post. She interestingly took down almost all the 2017 Facebook posts. There's 2016, 18, 19, and so on. But the 2017s, have been taken down. Yeah, she's getting rid of that timeline. And Nancy, let me go back to the the guy on the bridge. I've been to that bridge. It is, when they say it's 72 feet high, it feels mm-hmm. a lot higher than you're on it. <laughs> and there's some of the, you know, boards are missing. It's kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't seem stable when you're trying to cross it. And when you look at him, his hands are in his pockets. There's no way you would traverse that bridge without your hands out, number one, for balance, and number two, to try to catch yourself if you stumbled or tripped on one of these boards that's uneven or missing. So that tells me... There was nowhere for them to run. 
they couldn't go either way because they were nearly 100 feet up in the air. Was that you, Bethany? Jump in. Yeah, well, so I was going to say, you know, Cheryl McCollum talked about the calm demeanor. Well, of course he was calm. He was in charge. He chose this trestle bridge, which was quite precarious, probably familiar to everybody in the town, but still he had the upper a hand, the advantage. And I want to say about these serial rapists, murders, predators, whatever we find out, uh, whatever we uh, assess him to be at the end of this uh, investigation, they always hide in plain sight. There's research into these kinds of perpetrators like the BTK killer. Usually they're middle-aged white men. They often have They drive a family van. They usually have two children. They're often Caucasian. And they wear what we call the mask of sanity, which is they... They know how to live in normal society and act normal, all the while knowing that they are not normal at all. And he probably worked at the CVS so he could be at the center of the hub, so he could engage in victim selection. It was probably part of a a sexual, sadistic, masturbatory ritual um, that he incorporated into his work life that he could he control for victims all the while that he was working, I'm sure everything in his life was organized around his his paraphilias, his sexual um, deviancy patterns. Nancy, you know, one of it, the, go ahead, Joe Scott. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to bring out, uh, something you mentioned a few moments ago about uh, drugstores. Uh, CVS is essentially, unless there's a small mom and pop, CVS is essentially the only drugstore there. Um, you know, the closest Walmart Supercenter, which is where a lot of people use for the pharmacy now, is almost 14.5 miles away. So going to this idea of this being kind of a hub area, you're going to know, you know, people just for the sake of convenience are going to arrive at this location. And back to what Mac was saying about him with his hands and his pockets on this bridge, I think, in my mind at least, that the reason he was so smooth and confident up there is not only because he was actually in control, there's still this disarming thing. It's almost like they're familiar with him, you know, that he can be that casual walking toward them on this bridge. I wouldn't want to be up on top of the thing because it's, it's monstrous. It's huge. I'd be terrified. I'd fall off, but he was smooth. He was smooth as he's kind of ambulating toward them and he's in control in that sense too. Amble. That's a really good word because that's how I described how he's walking in that video. The wife posted of him setting off firecrackers. He turns around and kind of ambles. You know, can I add something? Yes, jump in. So you talk about being on the same page. Joe Scott, I was thinking the same thing and with a little bit of a twist. So if there's only one game in town for drugstores, like the yep. CBS, mm-hmm. that's a position of power. Yeah, so it we is. may not think the same thing if we come from large jurisdictions, but in a place where everyone has to go there, that's a great equalizer. It's like working at the DMV. Everybody has to come in. So in terms of this personality profile, he may have been emboldened and confident simply by the fact that he was really in charge of something that everybody in the town needed. And that may also explain his cavalier, casual, but confident attitude that you hear on that tape. I just find it really interesting that the cops were literally digging near a fire pit in his backyard for what? We also know that he has been moved from one facility from the Carroll County Jail to the White County Jail. We also know that there has already been a preliminary hearing. Take a listen to our Cut 61, the local prosecutor. Mr. Allen has had his initial hearing. He's in a preliminary plea of not guilty. Matter's been set for a pretrial on January 13th at 9 a.m., 2023 and a trial date of March 20th, 2023 at 9 a.m. He is presumed innocent. We will have an opportunity and day in court when we can present the evidence that we have against him. But until that day, he is presumed innocent. So much they're keeping sealed. The details of why he was arrested uh, being kept secret And I understand because they are saying this is an ongoing investigation. Let's look back at the man on the bridge, the bridge guy. If this were your husband, would you not know he had that kind of hat? Is that a a, a newsboy's hat? Is that what you would call that? And he is wearing a, looks like a blue sweat hoodie underneath the blue jacket, very similar to the jacket Alan is wearing in that car where his wife surprised him. How would you not 
know your husband had an outfit like that. Hold that thought, but to you, Alexis Terezchuk, he has already had an initial hearing and entered a plea of not guilty? He did. He appeared in court on Friday the 28th, and he has said he is not guilty. But one thing I wanted to talk about, we've been talking about the evidence that he may have been burning. So there was a, an arrest, a search warrant issued for someone else, the man Ron Logan's property where the girls were found. This was about a, a year ago. He died. Um, he was on. He was considered a suspect for a little while. But in that arrest warrant, they there was no mention of what they were looking for. But what they did say was that the rest of the girls' clothing was recovered, which implied that it was a piece of clothing that the person, the murderer, took of the girls, and that's what they were looking for. So a piece of clothing could burn much easier than if they took a body part or anything like that. But it seems to imply that that is what they have taken. Or he has taken. Wendy Patrick, what do you make of the fact that he's already been moved to a second facility for his own safety? Yeah, I'm not surprised given the notoriety of this case. I mean, you've covered it on your show. Other outlets have been following it for years. You know, partially this is a small town and there's a concern that when the state houses an individual, they have a duty to make sure they, they keep that person safe. So I'm really not surprised. You know, I, I know that people have been moved with far less than this. And especially concerning is the fact that investigation is ongoing. So I think they're taking every opportunity they can to keep everybody safe. Just Scott Morgan, it's my understanding two items were taken from the scene. One, apparently, clothing. What do you make of it? What do you know about reports that their clothing was misput? Like, for instance, Abby's clothing, some of it was put on Libby and vice versa. Yeah, it's called redressing. And and this happens. I've, I've actually worked a serial case involving redressing uh, where the perpetrator would undress and redress the bodies. Postmortem, it's, uh, it falls into a, 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 a category of necrophilic behavior that is after death where there's a strong sexual attraction to the dead. And it goes to posing, Nancy, specifically. Um, it's almost like uh, they're in a state of, of a doll-like inanimate state that the individual can do anything that they wish to do with them. And they can interchange things with them. And so that, that again, goes back to this idea of trophies. When we process these scenes, we're very careful. If we have something that indicates to us that it is kind of an over-the-top, maybe sexually-fueled event, um, you're looking for items that they can go back and fantasize about. And, you know, from there, you know, profilers develop a profile. And I can bet you dollars to donuts they have got a rather, rather rich profile on this fellow. Dr. Bethany Marshall, the difference between staging and posing, explain. Well, I, I mean, to me, staging is for the audience, the imagined or real audience or um, whoever's going to come across the scene to show that you're in, in charge. Posing, as Joe Scott Morgan said, more has the doll-like quality. I have control over you. You now belong to me. I can stay in a stage of, uh, uh, of sexual excitement for as long as I want because I have ultimate control over you you belong to me to cheryl mccollum what are they looking for to prove this case cell phone records dna gps on the car the day he was off what else could they be looking for they're going to grab his computer there's going to they're going to grab things like the you know visitation book at the funeral home did he go there they're going to look at was he part of the search parties? They're going to look for blood, sweat, seminal fluid. They're going to compare the two composites. They're probably going to merge it and you know make one and show, yep, this is definitely him. They're going to do a voice analysis now that they have him. They're going to go back and, and try to gather some of this video showing him walking in and out of CVS. They're going to go back and get all of his employment clock-in times. They're going to see when he interacted with the family, because again, now that we have a face and a name, people are going to be able to come forward just like the family has and said, he did the photographs for us and looked right at us and said, no charge. Like they remember him. So he's not unfamiliar with a lot of people that I think they're going to be able to come out and say, you know, whether the cell phone data shows it or his computer searches, the things that he, you know, collected and kept. Right. And then of course, our tip going to be a money tree, honey. 
Look, do you remember when the superintendent, remember the last, the last uh, presser that they had? Mm-hmm. You remember when he stood up on that podium and he looked at everybody and he said specifically, I know you're here. You might be here in this room right now. I know yes. you're listening. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And I just wonder if he was in the room and what kind of reaction he had. Wendy Patrick, what were you saying? You know, it seems to me like I, I love Cheryl's laundry list of what needs to be done. I think a lot of that has been done because yeah. remember the same superintendent when he was when he was talking about, you know, we got you, we're close. Don't be surprised if we come today or tomorrow to that effect. He already had a lot of the information that we're talking about because that's how he was so sure and confident that he had his man. Now, here's the thing. There is a husband-wife privilege, but there is no father-child privilege or father-cousin or father-brother privilege. I just wonder what his family may know that could help this investigation. Alexis Terezchuk, what's next? Well, we have a hearing in January, January 13th, and then the prosecutor announced today he said, we have a trial schedule. We want to start this trial on March 20th of 2023, which is a very short amount of time. And the fact that they are keeping everything so secret, must, that they have, they're ready to go. It seems like they have a case that they are very, feel very strong about. And they're ready to go. It's got to be DNA, Alexis Terrestrial. got to be DNA. We wait as justice unfolds. And as always, our prayers to the families of Abby and Libby. Now, our friends. Goodbye, friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.